Hello, welcome back to the Masonic Roundtable, a weekly program where Masons from around the world get together to talk about Masonic news and opinions in a friendly and social manner. As a reminder, the thoughts and opinions expressed here are solely the opinions of the participants and do not represent any Grand Lodge um, statements or positions, so make sure you keep your conversations open for the public and on the level. To interact with us, as always, send questions and comments to the Facebook page, YouTube page. Uh, love seeing you all chat live every week, and some of your chats may even make it on the air. So, as always, if you can't catch us live, you can always catch the replays on Facebook and YouTube along with uh, the chat. So, if you're a podcast junkie, also listen in your car. You know me. My name is John Rourke. I'm a past master of the Patriot Lodge, number 1957 in Fairfax, Virginia. Next up for his introduction, because he can't wait to get on air, Jason Richards. How you doing, Jason? That's wait. I'm good, there, John. How are oh, you? Oh, there you are. There you are. I'm great now <laughs> that you're finally <laughs> gracing us with your presence. As, hey, everybody. My name is Jason Richards. I'm a past master of Vacation Lodge number 16 in Clifton, Virginia, member of the Colonial Lodge number 1821 in Washington, D.C., and also a member of Lafayette Lodge number 79. Rush Chairman, darn glad to meet you. Oh, my gosh. I hate you so much. Robert Johnson, how you doing tonight? I didn't expect you to come to me next, so I'm like, ah! uh, I'm doing well. Uh, very good to be with all of you this evening. A really cool show, and uh, man, I love these layout players. Um, you guys are hilarious. Uh, yeah, y'all know me, man. Next. <laughs> next. Joe, how's it going? Good seeing you. Oh, I didn't see you there. Joe Martinez. Um, <laughs> let's see, what am I this week? Drinking from your chalice. My Masonic yeah. goblet that I got for my birthday from Absolutely. from the Babs. Yeah. Plus 10 points for Babs. Good call. And, yeah. uh, I'm doing well. Joe Martinez, Pisces. I like the beach. All that good stuff. Wonderful. Wonderful. And special guest for tonight, returning co-host, Chad Pekinski. How's it going? Excellent. Uh, uh, anyway, Joe, when was your birthday? It was last March, week, right? March 20th. Yeah. 25th oh, so like goodness. i'm just after you so that puts me what as aries pisces i'm a cusp, I'm a cu I'm a cusp <clears throat> baby i'm a pisces aries cusp so we we talked about this offline i think we did so yeah. that means that we probably should not be necessarily together because you know i think that means that you know we'll either can, take over the world or take a nap one of the two i things can be around you on mondays wednesdays and fridays but the other four days are a no-go Oh, okay. Um, let me get my calendar. We'll get that working out. So um, we'll get that figured out. So, um, hi everybody. Uh, it's great having you it's back. It's an honor to be here. It's glad to be here. So, uh -huh. uh, my name is Chad Kopensky. Um, uh, eventually, I would like to see if I can get the title of friend of the show. I think that would be great if I could get whatever banner that would be to be an official friend of the show, or at least an acquaintance of the show. Be <laughs> acquaintance. Um, Not a I am. Uh, let's see. Past master of Paramuthia Lodge in uh, Athens, Ohio. Um, past uh, district deputy, past uh, DEO um, in Ohio, past chairman of the Grand Lodge of Ohio Education Committee. But currently I'm here as the uh, current sitting president of the Midwest Conference on Masonic Education. And Ooh. it is an honor and a pleasure to be here. So, <clears throat> And that's a good thing because that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So, How fortuitous. <laughs> it's very fortuitous. Um, all right, before we get into that, though, definitely want to give a shout out to all the patrons who support the show. You guys rock and keep this show going for many years to come. So thank you very much for your support. You want to support the show? Click on that little banner or type it in yourself. 
And um, head over to patreon.com slash Masonic Roundtable to join us backstage. Love to see you there. How much coffee have you had today? <laughs> Not enough. Very messy. Yes, yes. Uh, I blame Jason. Okay, so. I'm not doing you know anything. I, do? I am sitting here with my mouth shut. Oh, gosh. Get your hands off. Not messing with the stream. Keyboard. I hate you so much. Moving on. Let's go to the next topic, which is tarot card of the week. So I, as I warned Brother Chad in advance that uh, since we're going to be talking about an upcoming Masonic conference, which we love to talk about, uh, we're going we're gonna to see how it's going to go. So tarot card of the week will be... <laughs> This is because this is an experiment where we're talking about the grand experiment that is um, this this new conference and how it's going to go. We don't know how it's going to go. I am using the Moonlight Tarot deck gifted by one Joe Martinez. So thank you, Joe. That was a nice little addition. And the card will be. We're not doing uh, we're not doing reverse today. We're just going to do. Nine of Pentacles. All right, look at that. So, <clears throat> Nine of Pentacles, Nine of Coins, uh, usually is a good thing, right? Nine mm -hmm. is almost completion. Nine is we're almost there. Nine uh, coins being the material world, like this is there's a lot of logistics to get set up. You're almost there. Um, you you are admiring the fruits of your labor. Uh, you haven't harvested yet, but but you're you're certainly um, in the middle of it. And, and really appreciating it for what it is. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Content. It is, but not this fear like you're just telling you what I want to hear. Or you're just <laughs> trying to like make sure that I, you know, don't Quick. vibrate and out of pure like nerves and, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm finding the tarot know. card as we or the tower card as soon as, uh, as soon as I can. It's a really great card, Chad, it for is. for yep. the conference. Uh, All right, I mean, I'll take it. it it's I like I think one of the most interesting things associated with this card is uh, the idea of luxury. So, I mean, maybe mm -hmm. the conference center is going to be so tight and it's going to be Gosh. way better. What was, how much did we pay per carafe of coffee in 2019, 2018? It was ridiculous. It better be it better. It was ridiculous. That. It was insane. <laughs> but we had to pay for that. Um, I don't even know. Don't even bring it up. It's terrible. Right. So I got to tell you, like where we're holding it this year, um, the Tin Can, the Canton Masonic Temple, the person who's been our point person for that, it's a guy named Eric Mullenbein. And pretty much I just kind of called him and said, huh, and he's just sort of backed up the truck of support. I mean, pretty much anything we've needed, it's just been there. You know, nice. caterers, rooms, I mean, it's just been uh, hotels, transportation. It's been delightful um well good well let's uh let's start at the top then like because sure. now let's get okay. right into to the good stuff okay what is the midwest conference of masonic education midwest conference of masonic education is a national conference held yearly for um educators well, masonic educators together in order to um talk about best practices to look at common issues to discover those individual solutions that might be there. But basically it really is an opportunity for these people to get into a room and just make those meaningful connections that are so vital in education. Masonic education, as we all know, it 
It thrives in connection and dies in isolation. And one of the dangers we have in Masonic education is that we get into these bubbles. We just assume that everybody does things the same way or that um, we all have, you know, the same problems or that we all, um, we just assume that everything is the same as it is in our location. But the more that we talk to others, the more that we connect, the more we find out there's just some really amazing things that are going on out there at the local level, at the district level, at the state level. Um, and again, the more you talk, the more you connect, the more that you, um, we get, you get outside your bubble, the better the Masonic education is because you find these ideas that are tested. You find these ideas that you, know, <clears throat> you never think of in a million years, but all of a sudden you see somebody else doing it and it just sparks something. Um, that's the benefit of this conference is getting people in this room and letting them connect and, dis and discuss. Yes, Joe, sorry. Question for Mr. Yes. yes. So I was, uh, I've been on the website quite a few times, never have been blessed to go to the conference. I need to find some free time to do that, but it sounds awesome. Number one, because it's more than one jurisdiction. It's the Midwest conference. Yes. Right? So, and I'll let you talk about that in a second, but the thing I keep seeing popping up is it's been around since 1949. So what have y'all been doing for 70 plus years? Oh, Lordy. So if you ever would like to go down a really nice rabbit hole, I'll get you the proceedings from the last, you know, however many years that is. This is going to be somewhat of a, a long walk, but I'll try to make it as, as, um, as quickly as possible. The definition of Masonic education has absolutely changed over the last 70, 80 years of this conference. And when the conference first started, it really was more along the lines of, uh, it was more ritual based. The idea of we need to have Masonic education that is centered around um, explaining the ritual, um, explaining the symbolism, you know, and throughout the course of the history of this conference, painting with a broad brush, obviously, different jurisdictions realized that there were things that were not happening in lodges. They made a lot of assumptions about what brethren were doing and what lodges were doing. And once they realized that these things weren't happening, they all of a sudden put them under the umbrella of education. It's what? We're not doing leadership? Education is now leadership. We need to do leadership training and leadership programs. What? We're not actually doing candidate counseling? Well, that's now education. So now let's do education programs and education um, or, you know, candidate counseling. What? We're not doing anything about membership. We need to do member. I mean, and so that's happened at the Grand Lodge level. With the conference, I mean, what has sort of happened is that the movers and shakers, the the guys at the table, for lack of a better word, they came to that conference with the directives from their Grand Lodges saying, listen, guys, I need to do something about leadership. Oh, wait, Missouri, you've got something. Wisconsin, you've got something. Michigan, Ohio, what? And then all of a sudden, there that was the benefit of the conference was that as these directives came down from Grand Lodge, the guys at the table came and swapped these ideas, which in some ways sort of changed the definition of education across the country. Because if all of a sudden Ohio is saying, well, we need to, we need an education program on leadership. We need something 
oh wait, Missouri has the TEL program. Well, we're going to take that, repackage it, and now we're going to send that out. And of course, Kentucky takes it, and then West Virginia, and then was I mean, and so um, it has really been this kind of clearinghouse for. Um, it's been the clearinghouse for these educational ideas and educational initiatives. It has wow. also been largely uh, responsive um, up until probably about maybe three or four years ago, as opposed to uh, prescriptive. And I think there's been a shift in the last couple of years um, for us as a conference to be more prescriptive. This is what education can be or could be or should be. What do you mean by prescriptive then? That's what I mean. That. Um, Give me some examples. Yeah. That education should not necessarily be limited to just one thing necessarily. That education serves a role in uh, the Grand Lodge, you know, uh, system, but that um, a lot of times Grand Lodges think of education from like a monolithic standpoint, that kind of top-down uh, direction. And that what we are finding and kind of what we are advocating, for lack of a better word, is that um, the best educational programs tend to come from the bottom up. And so that um, we need to sort of, as a fraternity, we need to sort of rethink what education is. We need to rethink the role of education in the lodges. It shouldn't be an afterthought. And it shouldn't necessarily be around just to solve a problem, meaning what guys don't, we're, we don't know leadership. We need a leadership you know, program. Right. Oh, hold on. That's part of it, but there needs to be, there needs to be more to it. Mm -hmm. so, that sorry, that, that kind of segues really nicely into a question that you mentioned it a couple of times. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and, and ask right on. what is the general, and I don't need your personal opinion uh, if you don't want to get in trouble. Um, but feel free to give it. What is your thought on what education is and what education isn't? Because to your point, I think, I think a lot of us have noticed, and we all have different answers, right, on what we think education is. We, we tend to agree a lot of times, um, especially when we're live. But uh, in certain cases, we don't. But, um, you know, everybody thinks that education is something different. If you ask 10 different people, you'll get 10 different answers. And you touched on a couple ones, membership and leadership and stuff like that. I just that. triggered Chad. Well, and that's oh, okay. Yeah. I'm here to do that, but no, th this was um, <sighs> so. This is what, uh, yeah. The reason why I'm hedging my bet here is because this is also one that could be a potentially long story, and I'm trying to like you know get it down to about thirty seconds in my head. My belief about education is that um, okay. It shouldn't be just one thing. It needs to be responsive to the needs of the brethren, meaning that if you are an education officer in a lodge, by you need to know your brethren well enough to kind of know what it is that, um, what speaks to them. Education also doesn't have to be just some guy standing up lecturing from the pillar of truth. It can be many different things. Um, and my viewpoint in this has evolved over the years, um, partially because of my own kind of experience as a teacher and kind of rethinking of what the role of an educator is or could be, but also recognizing that when it comes to Masonic education, 
Um, and this is where you and I probably could talk about this forever because you and I both have that lovely sort of, you know, I have a Jesuit background and you have a much more sort of religious, you know, education background. When you start reading some of those um, authors who talk about that, they learned more about God sitting out in, you know, a tree stand than they ever learned uh, sitting in a cathedral or sitting in the synagogue. Right. That Masonic education can happen in ways that we didn't think of. That sometimes, you know, sometimes brethren working together to build the benches for the, you know, the local park, that could potentially be Masonic education properly framed. You know, that there's, that there's an opportunity there. Um, and that making it just one thing, making it just ritual, just an LEO getting up and reading the first three pages of an MSA booklet, does the lodge a disservice, does the brethren a disservice, and does the fraternity a disservice? which is a long way of saying that to me, um, Masonic education is almost any activity properly framed that gives brethren, um, it teaches them what our Masonic values are, what our Masonic tenets are, and teaches them how to incorporate them into their lives. And I think the, proper, the most important two words there are properly framed. They, then it becomes my role as a Masonic educator to provide that context and that framework. Does that help? Interesting. Yeah. I like that. Because I, I know yeah. what, when I Does hear the mean? word Masonic education, right, I, I'm a little bit more, um, I wouldn't say literal, but like if it's something that I could learn about outside of the lodge, then that's education, right? That's not Masonic education. And so for something to have that tie in, I, lo I love your clause of properly framed. Because to me, that, that means something like, okay, I'm going to teach you about leadership that you could learn with tons of books and, and, right, tons. and, all, that, and all that and podcasts and everything. But here's what it means to apply those principles in a Masonic context. I think that would, that's what makes it Masonic education, the bolting on uh, the, the reference point of Freemasonry. Uh, but I, I have seen many um, presentations where it's just, hey, we're going to learn about this history lesson and at best at best they'll bring up that someone was a brother but at worst it's has nothing to do with freemasonry and it's interesting not masonic but interesting but i also think um again sort of recontextualizing or re-envisioning the role of the masonic educator and this happens in i mean regular education all the time for lack of a better word i mean it used to be that a teacher in front of the room, they were lecturing from the from the pillar of truth, right? I get up and I have the information, therefore I am going to spread my light to you out here in, uh, um, you know, out in the room. And I see the whatever comment substance matters to, absolutely. Um, but this was Vogue about 20, 30 years ago, this, there was this push in education to change the role of the educator to more of a guide. So that if, instead of me telling you what the important things were in this particular text or in this particular um, you know, experience, that my goal as an educator was to provide the correct um, framework for education to happen, to let you get in there and play, to recognize where those educational opportunities were and to seize upon them so that I was guiding you 
through the woods as opposed to telling you what the exact path was. I was yeah, more I like, of a park ranger as opposed yeah, to I like the, that. You know, in my, in my consulting world, we call that the difference between a consultant and a coach. A consultant right. tells you what to do. A coach says, you might want to consider these opportunities. You're still in, in charge. You're still going to make your own decisions. Based on what I've seen, you might have better success by doing this. Think of like a, you know, a basketball coach, right? They're not on the, on the, the court dribbling the basketball, but they can say, I recommend you, you shift the shift your weight on this leg and you may, may have better balance. And then it's up for the player to, to take that and, and run with it. So, but there's two big issues with that mindset in, in masonry, truthfully, which is one that's so much harder to do. It requires, Oh yeah. You're going to have a Masonic coach. I mean, that's, um, and secondly, sometimes it's just not necessarily right. I mean, sometimes you do need somebody to come in and just lecture and say, this is what this is. Correct. This yeah. is how we do There's things. There's times where this you need the lecturer. You need the yeah. buy the book ritual. You need the, the literal exoteric part of me. It has to, it has to be deeper than just like specific examples of ritual, right? Like right. when you said 20 to 30 years ago, this, this kind of switch over to um, the idea of a guide, this is kind of in line with, uh, um, I think we're starting to really dig in on this, which is the pitfall of, of this way of thinking. But there's this idea philosophically that, uh, everybody has like this individual truth, right? And so when you take this kind of idea and wrap it up as the guide, I think it does two things. One, it has the potential to make our guides completely lazy, mm -hmm. uh, right? Like, because there's no, there's no need for the guide to do actually any work other than go, you're doing a good job, right? Or, you know, so it has to, as you were saying, there has to be uh, the right kind of person in that position. And number two is, is this idea of, I think um, that you could say that there's a slippery slope to the idea of an individual truth within masonry or any other system. You could say that's a slippery slope, but I do think that we have seen a slippery slope in this area. You want to call it a logical fallacy, but it it's almost not a fallacy because in today's world, we do have um, an unfortunate situation that has unfolded with society and, and things about individual truths versus objective truths and things. So um, to the point you started to make, uh, which was that, yeah, there are definitely, you have to be on it and be able to tell people exactly what certain things mean um, when appropriate. And it doesn't always just apply to ritual. I think yeah. there's, I think there is a prescribed meaning that you can teach confidently about dogma in masonry. Well, and I think this may be a better way of, better way of kind of explaining the relationship because I, we agree, but um, so I did martial arts for, for many years, right? And martial arts have these things called kata, they're forms, right? These are prescribed motions that in theory are supposed to teach you certain levels, certain concepts. The reason why these forms exist is because the guy who created them learned some great truth or great concept by, um, by doing those moves in that order. He gained enlightenment, for lack of a better word, by doing those things in that order. And so 
you learning that form is walking in his footsteps, uh, which is kind of nice and symbolic. But the person teaching you, they are trying to get those lessons into your head. They're trying to get you to master those moves like he did, but ultimately making you realize that you have to internalize and personalize those lessons that are in the form. Eventually, you have to, with your own body, your own limitations, you, I mean, I'm 100,000 years old, right? I can't do the same things now that I did back when I was 50,000 years old. I have to personalize and interpret that form and those lessons and those concepts for me now. And so I forget where we where we originally were, but to kind of get to your point to illustrate sort of what the, the, what the point of the guide is, is to help you understand, I mean, those key lessons, but also help you understand how to eventually internalize and personalize those lessons. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Cool. No, that, that was a good, that was a good uh, alternate path that we went around. Um, I am known for that. So <laughs> I think uh, there's a friend of mine who's in the chat named Ken Cohen. And Ken likes to say that conversationally, I tend to take the scenic route. So, <laughs> Well, and as, it makes as you change in the kind of life status and in age and, you know, get new experiences, your your interests, especially when it comes to betterment and education, evolve and change. You know, what what I'm what I am interested in now is something that I was not at all interested in when I started my Masonic journey eleven years ago. You know, read tarot, <laughs> esotericism, things like that. Right. And um oh absolutely. I mean for I mean for me for some reason, I got obsessed with, you know, John Shearer and his prints. I have no idea. I mean, if you'd asked me 20 years ago, would I ever be obsessed with an a little known engraver from Cincinnati, Ohio? No. But, you know, it's become this like obsession of mine to, you know, know everything I can about this dude. Because every time I learn about him, you know, I learn more weird stuff. Anyway, but that idea of fascination and that idea of the Masonic education shouldn't be one thing shouldn't be one mm -hmm. experience yeah um and, and that's a, what i actually like about about the conference is how yeah. it is a midwest conference that it has multiple jurisdictions not one jurisdiction because it's not provincial we talk about provincial masonry so much that um i'm a big fan i'm a big believer of like a free market of ideas that ideas have sex that they reproduce they come up with new ideas and i know joe wouldn't like that and so this is this is a, a great great YouTube's forum. Gonna ding us. <laughs> this is a great forum where you can actually um, share those ideas. So, um, what do you have on the docket, like for this time? Why did we call this um, this episode the MCME experiment? Because I know we, we, you and I have had some you know back channel conversations about what the expectations are for this go around. Well, and actually, uh, I've had conversations with, I think, each of you in some way, shape, or form about this uh -huh. um, for, well, a couple of reasons. All right. <laughs> so a little bit of history. Uh, one of the biggest critiques of the conference over the years has been that, for lack of a better word, we've lost our way. That um, originally, the intention of the conference was it was for the guys at the table to get together and you know do that kind of you know, idea exchange. But that 
the conference had gotten to the point that it was it was it wasn't really about getting people out of the bubble. It wasn't really out of it was just more of let's all get here in this hotel and we'll just kind of talk a little bit and meh. It it turned into Freemasonry. Oh my ah. god. And there you go. Um so and here's where I need to COVID forced us to rethink things. And I'm going to say nice things about a guy named Scott Dubal. Um, Scott Dubal and a good friend of his, um, his name is Robert Johnson. Um, he's a short guy, about that tall. He owns most of the uh, uh, A&Ws and White Castles right around Skokie. I mean, I don't know if you guys have heard of him or not. Um, I hear he's branching out into um, uh, Dairy Queens, but uh, that's a whole other thing. Anyway, those two guys, the year that Illinois- That's a really country, expensive franchise. I just want to tell you that. Absolutely. Uh, and I look forward actually to seeing what you're going to do with both the White Castles and uh, the Dairy Queens. You know, I think a slider blizzard is going to be, um, we'll go with interesting. Um, and I look forward to seeing what you do with that. Anyway, um, what Illinois did with the conference, with, because of COVID, it forced us to relook at what the conference was really about and what was important about it. We actually did it online. And a lot of those videos are still currently on, on our website and they're pretty interesting. And what we realized is that it wasn't just the speakers. Like the speakers were great. I mean, it's, I mean, you have Chuck Dunning. I mean, how, if there's ever gonna be like a Masonic speaker hall of fame, it probably is Chuck Dunning's house. That's my guess. That's where we're gonna put it. Um, you know, just an add on to his garage. Um, but guys don't come for the speakers. What they come for is they come for the 15 minutes in between the speakers. They come for the, you know, they come for the the hospitality room just to sit and talk to guys like, you know, Chad Lasik from Ohio, to talk to guys like Brad Drew, talk to guys like, you know, Jim Buckhorn and Chuck Dunning and, you know, Jason Laramie and, you know, name those, to get those great people in a room and just to sit and talk. That's the benefit. And so what we realized and is that if the goal of the conference was to get guys out of, was to get the people at the table out of their bubble, what we also recognized was that so much phenomenal masonry happens at the quote unquote street level, right? You know, it's great that Tony Stark is up in his tower, but, you know, Daredevil and Spider-Man are doing some pretty cool stuff as well. And there's something you need to do about, there's something important about getting Tony Stark and Peter Parker in a room. They can learn from each other, right? There's things that they can do together. And so we broadened the scope of the conference by making sure that we invited not just the guys at the table, but everybody. Uh, there's a story about that. Um, that we invited everybody because the guys at the table, they can get in that bubble and they need to be in there. Tony Stark needs to be in a room with, uh, with Peter Parker. He needs to know what Peter's doing. He needs to get that perspective of what Peter is doing because, um, because those different perspectives, those different connections, they make Masonic education better because it thrives in connection and dies in isolation. And so that was the focus of the, we realized that that was the benefit of the conference. And so in Missouri, we tried a few things that were just different in order to um, 
really lean into and help facilitate guys making those connections. Yes, uh, Senor Johnson. I was just going to say that leading into this last conference you guys did, you did something that was like a blind side, actually. And I was like, oh, okay. And for anybody who's never been to these conferences in the past, state heads of the different jurisdictions that bought into the conference would stand in front of the room and they'd give their education report. So, you know, that report that like you pull out of your grand lodges, annual communications book that is submitted by the, you know, grand education officer or whoever the equivalent is. And it's, you know, a page, page and a half, half page, whatever it is. And they read it. Any questions? Okay. And then it would just go down the line and all these guys would do this kind of thing. Well, all of a sudden, we get here to the conference uh, last year. We get the lanyard. It's got our name badge. And on the back is a QR code that takes us to a Google Drive with all those reports on it. And they just said, if you're interested in the individual reports, just scan it. Read them on your own time. Let's get down to working. And I One was page. like, oh, my One God. <laughs> nice. That's amazing. Um, I, I will. I will. I'll be honest. That was my idea. Uh, because of the fact that Amazing I wanted to one page and I wanted it to be, um, I wanted it to be consistent because nobody ever got up and said, asked the questions that I wanted to know, you know? And so, um, and I think I said this last year, I learned more getting that, getting those sheets filled out, um, than I have passed. We're actually doing them right now. I just got a whole boatload, um, the conference right now is talking to different jurisdictions and getting that information. And I just got seven or eight from different jurisdictions that I get to look at. And I'm looking forward to putting those out to people because just like you said, Robert, what people did was exactly what you did and what I did, which is they read them the night before and said, Oh, Indiana's doing this. And they started looking for guys who had Indiana name tags to pull them off to the side and start talking to them. Wait, real world example of that was yeah. reading something. And then I went over to uh, James Buckhorn and I actually asked him about <laughs> something that they proposed and passed in their legislature. And I was like, Holy cow, we got to try this in Illinois. And uh, I mean, it was just really cool that that kind of level of uh, camaraderie, that level of engagement was really awesome. And I think that, like you mentioned, I, I do come for the speakers and I always break out my, my book, but I'm also that guy who they're like, usually they have to send somebody out and like shuffle me back in the room to see the next guy. Right. Because we're all out in the hallway talking and we're talking about meaningful stuff. We're not talking about the weather. We're not talking about, you know, uh, Joe who got elected worshipful master a third time or something like this. We're talking about, awesome stuff that uh, joe is a uh, master third time would be pretty sweet though yeah that would be pretty sweet so, well, so what what can we expect from okay from the conference because i want to make sure um, that we get we tease this out here thank you um so let's talk about sort of what we're doing differently this year but also again mm -hmm. serving that idea of breaking you out of the bubble so one of the things that we realize is that we do have this great opportunity with people who are there um to try new things that you know, as a, as a um, conference, we can have an agenda 
in terms of that we have a point of view and that we have the luxury of having really great guys there so we can try something and run squarely into a wall. So we're trying something this year that we have no idea if it's going to work, but let's see what happens. But I love that. I love that idea. Exactly. Um, and you guys were really nice to me and said nice things about me about two weeks ago when you did the PowerPoint karaoke and talking about this idea of, um, you know, the, this idea of, an, of a structured, unstructured activity, mm -hmm. meaning that you have a structure, right? Like the PowerPoint, that this is, you know, this is the structure that we have there, but it's unstructured in that there is this unknown element that the participants can bring to it. Because the participants bring something to it, it means that they are engaged. Right. It means that the experience changes to become the most meaningful and beneficial to the participants. What we're doing with our um, conference this year is it's not the monolithic, everybody goes to this speaker and sits for an hour, then they go to this speaker for an hour, and then they mm -hmm. go to this lunch for an hour. Mm -hmm. We're kind of doing it more like a convention as opposed to a conference. We are going to have multiple rooms doing multiple um, sessions, different types of sessions at the same time. Our overarching you know, theme for the conference, the question that we're trying to answer is we're calling it intentional masonry. So how can we as Masonic educators, how can we enlighten and empower brethren at different levels? How can we enlighten and empower them to create a unified lodge experience that reflects what is unique and valued about masonry. And that's a whole other like, you know, 15 minutes of unpacking that, but mm -hmm. that we won't take right now. But again, it's the idea of getting a lodge and the brethren to recognize what's important to them and to create an experience that is, that reflects what they value. What we're doing with this idea of a structured, unstructured um, experience is that the brethren there who are there, there is so much that is going on that they have to, they have to choose. They have to choose an experience that is the most meaningful and most beneficial for them. So as a conference, what we are setting up is we're setting up an environment where education can happen in multiple forms. Yeah. I, I'm glad, I'm glad you did that. Cause um, yes, it is very much uh modern conferences that are that are very large have multiple tracks and some right. of them might have um you know a government track some of them might have a devops track some of them might have you know specific categories and try to have themed topics and presentations but you know so if, if you wanted to just hear all about that then you could just stay in that track or you could bounce around right to whatever your yeah. tastes go but but I think it secretly for for some people it's going to create like Masonic FOMO, right? Because I got I got I got to make a choice. Like, oh my god! About? I want to go to this, but I want to go to that. And then you've seen some of these sessions. I mean, well, I'm kind of tooting my own horn, but some of them are limiting how many people are going to allow in. Chris, I was going to ask about that. Yeah. So Chris Busby, who um, that's a whole other story. Um, I actually connected with him. Uh, from the last time that I was on here. He's doing a session about um, New Hampshire's Guide to Ritual Excellence. And what he's doing is he's developed two um, educational programs that he's doing in New Hampshire. The first is that he does sort of the theatrical basics. And that sounds kind of scary, but what it is is we assume that guys in our lodges know how to project, how to stand, what to do with their hands, how to actually like emote, 
we can't assume that. And so Chris has developed this program to kind of say, guys, all right, guys, here's how you actually stand to be seen and speak to be heard. Let's just get those basics nice. down. Mm -hmm. And the second one is more about interpretation. Okay. So what do we as a lodge, let's look at these moments in ritual. What's important to us? What, how do we craft our ritual experience to reflect what's important to us or what is important about this moment? And he's been successful doing this and he's written it up and he's gonna bring that and tell us what that's all about. I can't wait to see that. I've seen what he's created, but I also kind of want to see what Chris is up to. Yeah. Um, we have- now, now, uh, now you also have um, blue lightning where, where I guess everyone's getting uh, three degrees in one day, the Masonic lightning talks. Is that what that is? You're killing me. Why are you doing this? <laughs> um, not, not the same thing? No, same. no, no. Oh, no. okay. Gotcha. Oh, and gotcha. Joe just left. No, the <laughs> Lodge of Research. Um, this is, again, They've we've had some really great partners with this. And one is Ohio's Royal Schofield Society. Uh, and the other is the, our Ohio Lodge of Research. And they've kind of bought into this as well. Um, that what they're doing is they are having a room that's just them. And they're going to be available all day for brethren to, you know, if you ever want to talk to the Lodge of Research, the guys who know a lot about history and about research, they're going to be there all day. And they Love want it. you to bring a paper you're working on, something, a question that, you know, you want answered, something you might want to talk to. You know. I, I, I like, I want to, I want to use an expletive, like I expletive love this idea, <laughs> right? Y'all ever gone to why Robert? I, okay. So I went to the San Diego comic-con for years, years. I think the last year I went was Oh nine because it just got crazy. Um, but if anybody's ever been to that, there is something we kind of used to call artist row. And it was all of these artists selling their prints and drawing and just like giving away their soul on paper for dollars. Right. Cause these are starving artists, amazing people who are going to grow up to be um, like just the next killer comic artist or whatever. And then there would be somebody from DC somebody from Marvel, somebody from uh, independent or image yeah, or whatever yeah. the case is. And what they're doing is portfolio reviews. And it was like, they're like, this is really great. You got to work on these hands a little bit. You know, um, I remember watching, I was at, it was me and Joe and we were up way too late watching something about how, uh, Seth McFarlane kind of developed this idea about Spawn moving outside of the comic box that he's in, right? Like just like interesting motion concepts that they would review and give you these helpful hints. And that's what I love about this idea about bringing somebody else a paper. Uh, you're putting your ego on the line, but it's not unlike, I mean, this is more friendly than anything you could have thought about, you know, in high school. It's not going to be like, you know, your high school teacher telling you, this is terrible, buddy. These are brothers who are going to go, hey, you could stand to do this. Maybe, maybe look at the Chicago uh, outline guide, you know, whatever the yeah. case is. But I love, really love this idea of a, of a review mm -hmm. with, with, people who are yeah, experts it's just, in the field. It's just the, the nerding out room. And that's great because you, well, you can. Then you're going to love this, Robert. So the lightning talks, we basically are going to allow people to sign up for 15 minute slots. 
they got a microphone, they got a they got a projector, and they got an audience of guys from the OLR. So get up, whatever you got. Yeah. If it's a, an idea, wonderful. If it's a half-formed idea, great. If it's a Pecha Kucha, awesome. If it's just whatever you got that you think, I just, let's see what happens in front of an audience. Fine, get it up there. I and love what happens when I had chat GPT write my paper for me. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's just, it's a way for you to, I think going back to the comic things, there was somebody, it was either J. Scott Campbell, it was one of those image artists who was actually found um, in a way um, by one of those portfolio reviews at a conference. Like they saw him, they're like, this is amazing. You need to give, you know, that's kind of one of the reasons why we're doing this. One, to do kind of a Masonic open mic night, but also who knows what voices are out there that we have no idea about. Who knows what great take is out there? Right. What great thoughts are out there? Fine. Let's give them a shot. Yeah. Now, let's be honest. We're going to get something real. We're going to get like Jay Clark up there who's going to talk about something, you know, weird and wonderful because it's Jay Clark and he's weird and wonderful. Awesome. You know, but we might get who knows what we're going to get. And again, this could also. And that's the beauty way, of it. Which well, is, and, you know, fail is such a loaded term, right? Because in my industry, like we failure equals learning, but, but, you know, we have to get past the stigma of trying something new and, and then it falling on its face and then having negative repercussions from it. Like what you've created here is a safe space of, of Masonic education nerds to try something, experiment, remix, like work together, collaborate, share, ideate. Like this is, this is really a different environment than your traditional room full of past masters telling you your rituals off. Well, Joe? and that's, that's what I was going to throw in there. Uh, sorry to cut you off, Chad. The the whole, the premise about failing, I, I just don't think it's realistic, not because you're phenomenal and awesome, because you are, but because you've got people that already have buy-in that are present, right? It's not, it's not your typical lodge experience where you have three people there that are actually interested in the crap you're talking about and the other 27 just want to go home, right? right. Or they're sleeping or what have you. So your, your, your audience is there already, right? And so, so. And that's the benefit of the conference is we have the guys there who already kind of have the buy-in. Like if I used to joke with my theater students, like that if I told them to run face first into a wall, they would do it because they trusted me. Like, like well, Kopensky says we're going to do this and it's part of the experience. Sure. You know, guys, please don't run face first into the wall. But, you know, we have the guys there. We have this opportunity. Why not seize on it? Let's see what happens. And again, failure equals learning. My background, theater. I mean, in improv, listen, you got to sometimes just bite hard on what you know is going to be, might be a bad choice or a bad decision. But you got to play it out because the next time you go through it, you realize, oh, it's, it's easier now this time because look at all you learn from watching that blow up this time, you know, the first time it's easier the second time. Something, um, I, go ahead. Chad. Sure. I don't want to interrupt your flow. Oh, so I'll just say that the first time I went to this, it was because I was on the education committee of the state of Illinois and uh, our committee was under Scott and Scott knew about this, 
Midwest conference that was happening. And I'm like, okay. So after a stated meeting uh, of, of Space Novum, it was a Friday night. We, we drove like nine hours right after the meeting, went to bed at like 5 a.m., got up at nine or something, and then headed downstairs to the convention. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. But it was like Chad Lasik, me, Spencer, Spencer. and Scott and uh 12 other people right and i was like this is a mid this is the, the midwest what's what's going on here right and then so after that what was crazy was you all got installed as your new vps and in presidents and things and this thing just started getting gaining and gaining traction and i think one of the biggest and most cool things ever was having seeing like i witnessed the end what would have been the end of MCME in like 2018. You guys through campaigns in, in not selling the conference, letting people know that this thing even existed resulted in an explosion for the COVID year that we had. And then like when it was just over the border here in Missouri, it was like, the hospitality room was shoulder to shoulder. I mean, it was just crazy. It was, it was unbelievable in, in, in the amount of people who just poured in. And we saw guys from all over the place who have been emailing me. They've emailed Chad or, or Spencer. And they're like, Hey, you coming again this year? These people are excited to come back. And this thing is growing. And I've said it a few times that, I honestly wonder because of the way you could explain this, but the Midwest conference really was like a grand lodge is a member. If they pay in, they're a member of the conference, the way you all changed the bylaws and you opened it up allowed for um, organizations and individuals to become members and have a voice in the direction of the conference. And so, uh, like NPR goes, Hey, we have to let you know that we're sponsored by so-and-so when they report on something, I have to say like, I am, uh, I, I did buy an organizational membership. I have three votes, which is really cool. Um, but would we do that kind of thing if we really didn't believe in it? And I have to say that I think this Midwest conference is going to just die. It's just going to become the Masonic conference of education at some the- point. It's the only one left. It's the only one left. Kevin Holman in Virginia asked. He said, "What happened to the, the to to the uh, the uh, like the East Coast version? Uh, you know, we had the the, the Rocky Mountain Conference, which was kind of split. Right? They're, they're just all gone. This Jason, is the what, only one left. What happened? Aren't, aren't you hosting that one next year? Yeah, maybe. Uh, and it's out. But- but it's called Esotericon in April. Right, but, but, say, but consequently, what we have is we do have the explosion of things like um, the different cons, Esotericon, um, Camp Masonry. Yeah. Camp Masonry. Um, you know, God rest um, his soul, right? I miss, oh. camp, I miss Camp Masonry. Jason, right. yeah. Jason I Cheney, did. I love you. And, you know, I've Bring got a back. compound with like a couple barns on it. Mm-hmm. Can't right. at the compound. We're getting, we're getting close to time. So, Sorry. Chad, how can we find and 
more importantly, register for the Midwest Conference on Masonic Education. Go to the website. Uh, what's, your, what's the website? 1949.org. So again, that's MCME, like Midwest Conference of Masonic Education, 1949.org. What you'll see there is you'll see information about the conference, um, and you'll see a button that says, you know, conference uh, details and registration. There are different levels that you can register at uh, because we have basically there are some there's a whole boatload of things that are happening uh, during that weekend. It's the 28th, 29th, and sort of the 30th of April. Uh, basically, it's the night of the 28th. It's almost all the work is happening on the 29th, and the 30th is sort of a you know uh, wrap up day. But you can go there, register for the conference. You can also um, go and uh, you get your hotel rooms, but uh, it's going to be at the Canton Masonic Temple in Canton, Ohio, which is a huge, gorgeous, phenomenal building with like seven or eight different lodge rooms, um, but a little history. Uh, I'll be there this weekend kind of doing another uh, scoping out around it, but go to the website, take a look at the different um, events that we have, different speakers that we have. We have some phenomenal speakers um, and a phenomenal sort of day that's uh, set up for you and register and please join us. That'll be fun. And what's the date of that again? It is April uh, 28th, 29th and uh, 30th. So in about a month or so. Uh, so which is now you know why I don't sleep. So <laughs> you're a busy man, uh, but your dedication and zeal to the craft is super awesome. So thank you for that. Thank you very much. So, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and the, it's because of that conference truthfully that I got, I've gotten to know you all it's got through that conference that i've gotten to i mean it is i mean it, it, robert tells the story you know that uh we were trying to kill for time in iowa and i walked up to i think we were waiting on um sean Iyer to speak or someone to speak or dan gardner and uh went up to ed around i'm like listen i know we got to kill for time i got this thing on my computer that i've been i've been doing called pecha kucha why don't it goes 15 minutes why don't you just let me do it and like We'll just Love kind it. of see what happens and talk about it. And um, I did it. And that's really that kind of broke the ice that I got to, to meet and talk to Robert and Chad Lasick and Spencer and awesome. Scott Duval. And through them, I got to meet you guys. So That's great. Um, awesome. But so my last commercial pitch, please check out the website. Please come to the conference. Um, there is an, op an opportunity to uh, attend online. You're just not going to be able to get all the really cool stuff if you're sitting at home. So it looks like and you guys Mike have a the, thanks Mike uh, for posting the, the uh, Facebook page. Yeah. Facebook slash MCME 1949 looks like. Yep. Oh, Busby. He thinks he'll be there. All right, Busby. <laughs> no pressure. You're on the agenda. He better. I'm, I got a great room for him. You know? <laughs> After that setup. All right, gents, uh, time to, for the final question of the day. We'll start wrapping up. We'll save our special guest for last, starting with Joe Martinez, because he gets no love going after Robert. Question of the day is, what are you looking forward to the most? Uh, what well wishes do you have for Brother Chad and the whole MCME planners for this year's conference? Joe, go ahead. Yeah, so, uh, well... Chad already knows I'm I'm dying to go. I wish I could go. I do have a commitment that weekend, but um, we'll definitely put you on the calendar for 2024. Um, so hook me up and give me the deets. But yeah, no, I think I think the whole 
experiment that he discussed. I think it's awesome. I think some of the differentiators that he has, uh, him and his whole team, um, have when it comes to putting on this conference, I think is amazing. I think the fact that you have buy-in from multiple jurisdictions is just phenomenal. And it's not something that's done except in, you know, grand lodge halls and on paper, and it's all glad handing and nothing of substance. Um, so this sounds substantive and it sounds phenomenal and I'm bummed. I can't be there. So kudos, man. All right. Thank you. Let's head over to Jason Richards. Uh, what are you looking forward to for them or what well wishes do you have? Uh, so, you know, Chad, I'm, I'm so excited about what you're doing and the balance that you've struck between not just, you know, having, having some notable speakers, but really emphasizing, you know, getting lot local lodge members and ground floor grassroots lodge members to go out of their comfort zone and encouraging them to face you know, the discomfort of giving, you know, their own Masonic research in public. I, I think, especially with those lightning talks, like that, that to me is the thing that I'm most excited for. Um, I will most likely not be able to make it up. Um, however, I will do my very best to stream it the day of because you better I, send us links. Yeah. I just want to, I just want to watch and just see all of the goodness that, um, that the conference attendees come up with. I think it's going yeah. to be amazing. Awesome. Thank you, Jason. Robert, well wishes and hopes for the best. Well wishes, of course. Uh, like I said, I am so excited for this. Um, watching your you know, watching something evolve and, and really come back, like, I don't know, you know, the stupid idea of like the Phoenix or something, right? Coming back and, and just unfolding its wings and spreading its wings and flying away is, I think this is like that point for MCME. I mean, it was like the ashes were happening when the, the the first time I went and then it just has increased in power and prowess uh, over the, the, the last couple of years. And, and it used to be when you mentioned MCME or Midwest conference, people would be like, what? And now they know, and this is really awesome. As far as the conference goes, I'm really looking forward to it. Of course, uh, the things that I'm having to kind of juggle in my head is do I go to, something like the new Ham the new Hampshire guide to ritual excellence, which has this limit of 15. Uh, you know, I do public speaking, but I'm not so, you know, you have so much bravado thinking I've got it all. I, I can learn and I would want to. Um, but then again, I also have this inkling in my head. I always I have this like negative thoughts about quote unquote, small town masonry and how, for some reason, I always say, oh, they must be doing it wrong or whatever. And over the last few years, I've really caught on to this kind of romanticized idea of the small town lodge doing the community things, bringing brothers into the fold and kind of falling in love with it. And so this idea of, of talking or taking small town values statewide is really interesting to me. Um, and of course, uh, the chamber of reflection talk, 
And I don't know, man, a couple of them repeat. So maybe I'll have the ability to do that, but I'm just really looking forward to um, watching people do their thing and shine and being proud of, of the organization and, and the people that it's bringing together. So Chad, you know, I've, I've been in your corner since uh, you gave your Pecha Kucha and you walked over to my table and you were like nervous. And I remember your shirt was a little untucked and you sat down with Scott and I, and we just talked the afternoon away. So um, you got a number one fan, always going to be in your corner unless you do something terrible. Don't which, screw it up. Don't, don't mess it up, buddy. <laughs> I <laughs> love you, sure. man. I love you. And I, I love everything you're doing. So come on, just move closer. I, did I ever tell you guys that, that Chad one night didn't tell anybody and we opened up lodge and I happened to look across from the secretary's desk and there he was sitting in the, uh, the Northwest corner of the lodge and he got introduced and I was like, I was so excited that he came out. So love it. Anyway, There's going to the be great. Really looking forward. I'm also looking forward to the drive because I'm driving with Chad and Spencer and Ray Babinski all in one car with me. It's going to be amazing. Party time. All right. Thank you, Robert. All right, Chad, before I close, any final thoughts, questions, comments? A boatload of them. Thank you all for the nice words, really. I mean, um, you know, I kind of jokingly said that I'm a friend of the show, but I'm also a huge fan of you all. And the fact that my conversations with you, my friendship with you, and the connections I've had with you have um, have forced me to rethink Masonic education, to rethink this conference. There's actually a fair amount from you all that's filtered through me to uh, into this conference. Um, I'm a big believer in Masonic education. I'm a big believer in meaningful connections. I think that's what Masonry is all about. And this is an opportunity that we have um, to um, explore those meaningful connections, to move Masonic education forward, and to really sort of, you know, improve ourselves, improve uh, and improve the fraternity. So uh, thank you all for letting me be on here. And thank you all for the kind words and support and uh, for the audience. Come join us. It's going to be an amazing time. Um, you get to see, see me sit there and, you know, sweat and vibrate and, you know, Hopefully, vibrate. I vomit on Ken Cohen. So, <laughs> vibrate. What the hell is going oh, on? Well, you know, my ADHD brain will just take over and I'll just be, you know, vibrating <laughs> over in the corner. You know, we'll talk about your nerves and in the green room. That's vibrating medication for that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Brother Chad. It's <laughs> super awesome as always to have you on here. Um, I always learn something new every time you're on. So thank you for, for sharing that and sharing the, the intent, the plan, the well wishes like this is, this is going to be a great, a great conference. You and I have talked about this. And so um, having been, I'm a big fan of the unconference movement, right? Because you know, we've all grown up with boring lectures and I don't want Masonic education to stay that way. Like let's take some of the best of this unconference movement. So if you Google unconference, you'll see things like Masonic, um, or you'll, you'll see things like Pecha Kucha, like PowerPoint karaoke, like lightning talks, um, like fishbowl talks. These are things that I love to see brought into this education realm. And so someone's got to be first. And that's what I love about what, what uh, Brother Chad and the whole team has put together is that they're going to try some things. And 
you know, you, you try to put the right people in the right place and with the right environment, the right tools and see, see what magic happens. And, and I love that they're willing to take that risk that it is, um, it's a calculated risk. And it's something that I think will improve that conversation around Masonic education, right? So that's that's where this pivot needs to happen. We need to make it dynamic. We need to make it interactive. We need to make it much more uh, powerful than it was in the previous years. If for no other reason than, you know, the disruption of the digital age, the information age, COVID, et cetera. So I think, um, again, I'm, I'm wishing the best for uh, Brother Chad and the team. And, and just really, I think... Um, so far, you know, all the dominoes are in place. I think it's just a matter of, of letting them fall where they lay. So with that, I want to thank you all very much for watching and keep searching for more light. Have a good night. Wow.